Hi everyone, I think some people are still filtering in. Um, it's great to have so many of you here today. Uh, my name is Gemma Bolton. I'm pleased to be part of this event, bringing together people from the forefront of this resistance to the Tories. And I'm pleased to say thousands have registered their interest in this event and the Arise Festival uh, and thousands more are gonna be joining us over social media. Um, and this is the closing event of Arise, an online festival less ideas for 2022. And it's a vital discussion. Um, on this day, more than ever, on the left and the Labour movement's next steps. Um, and the party is nearly over for Boris Johnson. We're here today to say let's resist and defeat the whole rotten Tory ruling class offensive on our health, jobs, rights and livelihoods. And let's send a clear message that we stand shoulder to shoulder with all unions that are taking action to that end, including the RMT and the TSSA and as left this week. Um, and on the left, it's vital that at this time, we must be at the heart of organizing and amplifying the voices of all these strands of the progressive anti-Tory resistance, including through the trade unions, through our localities and through our communities. Um, the, the Tories have had one of the worst and most reactionary responses in the world to the coronavirus crisis. They don't have um, anywhere near the agenda needed to tackle the climate crisis. They're silent on solutions to the deepening cost of living crisis that we're all living through. And they are using the pandemic to further restructure the economy in the interest of the super rich. We've seen billions get siphoned off and wasted in this, um, during this pandemic whilst attacking our rights to, to resist and to protest. And of course, the cost of living crisis deepens every day, leading to misery for millions across the country. And we mustn't let them get away with it. We have to build a resistance to the Tory offensive. Um, I'm pleased, um, uh, if possible, as the event goes on, please do donate at the link provided so rights continue holding these important events. Uh, like if you've been attending any of the other amazing events at this Arise Festival, uh, then you'll know and it's great to have you here, just how brilliant they are, what a platform for amazing debate they are, uh, and they can't put them on unless we all contribute and help them to, to fund this. Um, and also to support other campaigns, there's going to be links in the chat throughout the event, um, including the important workers can't wait petition to Rishi Sunak, uh, on the cost of living crisis and the new petition to Keir Starmer demanding that he backs workers in struggle instead of, as we might have seen in the last um, hour or so, sacking uh, members of his shadow cabinet simply for standing shoulder to shoulder with workers uh, who are fighting for a decent pay rise and decent, uh, a decent way of life. Um, but on a more positive note, I'm delighted now to move on to hearing from some of those voices on the front line of the resistance to the Tory attacks, coming together to amplify our collective voices, uh, plus to link up the Labour Left campaigns with a new wave of trade union action that is to defend us all um, in, in our workplaces and in our lives. So our first speaker is from the National Education Union, Come to a lot of the rides events have been absolutely phenomenal and inspiring. So I'm really happy to welcome Louise Reagan. Hi, Louise. Hi, Gemma. Thanks, and uh, it's great to be here. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you to Arise, and I, I would urge all of you 
to you know make a donation to Arise because what they've done over the last few weeks has been brilliant but we need to continue having these discussions continue fighting back against what is happening I want to just start with a, you know a solidarity message to the RMT who've been on strike today I was on the picket line first this, first thing this morning before I went into school because I'm still working at the moment um last day today so I'm feeling slightly happy about that a bit of a rest but um but you know uh, and I think just briefly on what you said Gemma I mean it is quite shocking that a party that was built on the trade union movement is not backing trade unionists and we have to call that out I'm sorry and my union is not affiliated to the party but we need people in you know in parliament backing our workers and standing in solidarity with those workers that are taking action <clears throat> just from our, my union's point of view you know you talked about the pandemic during the pandemic people kept talking about schools being closed schools were never closed during the pandemic you know our members were going in daily to, uh, to to make sure that key services could stay uh, operating we had the key worker children in and our members faced, you know, huge difficulties during that time, lots of problems, lots of lack of access to PPE, lots of, you know, concerns for them and their safety. But they continue to do that because they knew the importance of working together and supporting uh, the communities that we work in and making sure that those key services could keep going. Uh, last year in January, the government announced that schools were reopening because it was safe. And we all knew it wasn't safe at that time. We absolutely knew it was not safe. The pandemic was right. Numbers were rising. People were dying on a mass scale. And actually, this government's never been held to account for that. The amount of people that have lost their lives in our communities is on the hands of this government and they've never ever been held accountable for it. It's an absolute disgrace, but our members stood up and said, we're not doing it. It's not safe for schools to open. And that isn't about us not wanting to do our job or wanting to be in staff rooms drinking, drinking champagne because none of us were doing that. Let's be clear, no matter what bloody MPs say, we were not in staff rooms drinking champagne. We were teaching young people in our classrooms or online. But our members stood up and said, we're not going back. It's not safe. It's not safe for people to be in it. Not only is it not safe for our members, it's not safe for our communities. Because not only were our children able to pass that on within our classrooms, they then took it back into the communities, the people that were at higher risk and that were more likely to die from the virus. So it's really important. And, you know, I'm really proud that my union stood up and fought back against the government and actually won. You know, we forced the government to step back and say that schools were vectors of transmission and that schools had to remain in the situation we were in, where schools were just there for key workers and that we had that staged approach back in. But since then, you know, we've returned. People think the pandemic's gone. Well, you know, we know COVID's still there. We know it's still rife within our communities. But, you know, we're back in classrooms with our children and young people, and it's brilliant. Educators are really enjoying that. But what we have seen since then is that complete devaluation of the work that we do. Since 2010, teachers have faced a pay cut of 20%. It's a huge amount. We know we've got members who are using food banks Members who are telling us that they're living on credit cards because their wages don't last them the month. 
<clears throat> so we will be balloting our members uh, in the autumn term. And we, you know, we are really proud to stand alongside all of those other unions that are balloting members now, because I think we have to put huge amounts of pressure on this government. I think the other issue for our union is that we have teachers that are leaving the profession in huge amounts. So 12% of teachers leave in the first year, 25% within three years, 33% within five years. That's a huge amount of people that have gone through training to, be, to do that profession who cannot cope with the pressure, the workload, the lack of sort of respect and pay who are leaving. And that is going to cause a huge crisis, I think, going forward. So not only are we fighting for better pay for our members, but also better conditions uh, uh, for our members who deserve to be valued for the work that they do. This government has absolute disregard for education workers. And I, I think that it is now a time that we need to start fighting back. I think the final thing I want to talk about is child poverty. We know that child po poverty has increased exponentially. You know, a huge amount, over a third in each classroom of our children are living in poverty. And we know the impact that has, not only on our children and young people, but on our communities. And we know that poverty has a huge impact on children's ability to learn, to develop and to grow. And we think that it's an absolute disgrace that this government stands over um, a, a situation where so many of our children and young people are growing up in poverty. And I have to say, because I've been told previously that, you know, this is all about people that don't want to work. Well, no, it's not, because lots of children and young people that live in poverty have parents that work not only one job, but sometimes two and three jobs to try and make ends meet. And it's an absolute disgrace that children and young people grow up not knowing where their next meal is coming from, not knowing if there's going to be electricity when they get home, not knowing if there's going to be heating in the winter, not knowing if they've got the clothes they need to go to school in. It's an absolute disgrace. And this is coming from a government that has money to waste, because that's what we've seen during this pandemic, is a government that has wasted money, has given it to people that they like, uh, to companies that have frittered away money on rubbish systems, on rubbish PPA that what uh, PPE that wasn't the right thing for people that needed it. So it's an absolute shameful government and we have to call that out. And today or yesterday on the front line uh, of one of the papers, it talked about a government attacking workers and this government does want to attack workers. It wants to stop us taking action. It wants to stop us standing and supporting each other. I know any you any members up and down the country will have been on RMT picket lines today. Any you members up and down the country will be out supporting every worker. And that is what we have to do. We now have to stand in solidarity with each other. We have to be on every picket line. We have to be fighting back. We have to be exposing what this corrupt government has done. But actually, we have to be calling on any incoming government to start saying that they support workers, that they will pay workers properly. They will make sure that workers are given the right uh, conditions of service, that they will end the privatisation of our services and that we will get good quality pay conditions 
and uh, that workers will feel that they are valued in the work that they are doing, because at the moment, we don't have that. I'm very proud of the work that my union has done, but I know my union wants to work with other unions to jointly defeat what this government is doing. So solidarity to all those that are taking action, solidarity with all those that are thinking about taking action. Let's do this together. Let's fight back. Let's defeat this government, but let's call on any incoming government to back workers and to support what they are fighting for. Thank you. Thank you so much, Louise. Absolutely. Uh, agree more from the stand of all workers taking action or thinking of taking action at the moment. Um, uh, next, we're going to be hearing from the vice president of the FBU, which is Ben Selby. Um, you know, we've we've been experiencing some incredible uh, unusual weather over the last few weeks, uh, which has led to fires. You know, we're seeing actual like sort of forest fires and outside fires in the UK recently. Uh, and the FBU and firefighters have been in the forefront of fighting that and being and, and opposing, you know, what is a horrendous, horrendous situation. Um, so I want to send my solidarity to all firefighters in the FBU, as well as to Matt Rack, who's currently on Wellington Hospital. I think we all send our solidarity and thoughts to Matt. Um, unfortunately, Ben can't be with us today, but he has given us a video that we're going to be sharing now. Um, and so we're going to be hearing from Ben, hopefully we can get the video up, and then after that we're going to hear just briefly from Patrick, from uh, who's one of the organisers here at um, a rising Labour outlet, who's just going to say a few words about why it's so, so important to be supporting the work that they're doing. Um, okay, the Vice President of Fire Brigade Union, and firstly I'd just like to send my apologies for not being able to attend tonight. But I'm glad to still be able to share on this video our union's solidarity to all of you watching and workers up and down the country. It's great to hear from so many fantastic comrades already, and I'm likely to echo the sentiments they've made. But I'd also like to pay tribute to Arise, uh, because they've been able to convene such great meetings time and time again. The Tories have orchestrated yet another assault on firefighters by threatening to abolish our collective bargaining body. Frontline firefighters' ability to negotiate their pay and conditions has to be protected and the Fire Brigade Union will fight tooth and nail against these draconian proposals. The Home Secretary and the Fire Minister for England launched their long-anticipated white paper attack on the Fire and Rescue Service and central to it are proposals to tear down our collective bargaining structures. At a time when we are facing a deep cost of living crisis, this Tory government decides to come after frontline firefighters. So now more than ever, workers need union representation, a voice to maintain basic rights and secure decent pay. In 1997, 37% of all employees in the public and the private sector were covered by collective bargaining. By 2019, this had fallen to only 27% of UK workers. This is no accident. Firefighters like other workers and other sectors were part of the valiant effort to tackle the pandemic. This included firefighters driving ambulances, delivering vital supplies to the elderly and the vulnerable, and moving the bodies of the deceased. Firefighters, through the Fire Brigade Union, their union negotiated a contract which kept them safe and allowed important work to protect the public to take place. These duties were agreed through our collective bargaining structures. Yet the Tories want to pay thanks to this service by ripping up the same structures that delivered it. This simply isn't good enough. 
These attacks, though, will not just be on the fire and rescue service. They will be reaped right across the trade union movement, across the public and private sectors. We have already seen the teachers have been cast as the enemy within for merely demanding safe classrooms for them and their pupils. Furthermore, proposals to introduce minimum service levels on the railway and the sinister police crime sentence in a courts bill are all but to name a few more examples. There is no length this government won't go to blame the working class people in this country for the rise of debts, for the second wave, for the eat out to help out scheme and the list goes on. We must stand shoulder to shoulder as a movement to defend comrades against these nefarious attacks. The pandemic and the cost of living crisis have only amplified the skewed power relations in our society. We must not go back to the old system. We must build a fairer a more equal society that gives everyone a stake a voice at work and a hope for a better future. We can never trust the ruling class and the Tory government to protect workers. Their management of the pandemic and the cost of living crisis have revealed their utter contempt for workers and we must be wise to their future attacks. So I want to conclude by sending my full solidarity to all those unions currently and about to have industrial action. You have the full support of firefighters and the fire brigade union. And we stand firm as a movement against this assault on our class, and we must fight back. Solidarity, comrades. Great message there from um, from Ben, and uh, I do want to apologise for um, the technical difficulties for those of you on the streams. Um, I'm just going to take five minutes now just to introduce myself. I'm, I'm Patrick Foley. Um, I'm an organiser for Rise Festival and for Labour Outlook, uh, which is our media partner. Uh, and I'd like to start by just thanking the thousands of you who've taken part over the last month. It's been inspiring to see so many people from across the country and even across the globe joining our calls. And with some new regular participants from Ireland, Spain, Indonesia, Norway and the US. So thank you. Um, as many of you will know, Labour Outlook has been covering this year's Arise, ensuring that these discussions go even further once the meetings end and once the festival closes. And if you don't know about Labour Outlook, we're an alternative media platform that brings you positive news, views and analysis from the left in Britain and internationally. Outlook amplifies socialist voices, builds support for frontline struggles against the Tories like we're seeing right now, and gives, gives a platform to movements of international solidarity. But we need your help. And you can now support us directly through Patreon. Links are going to be posted uh, in the chat by our volunteers while I'm speaking, so please keep an eye out for them. Um, and it's thanks to our supporters and contributors that we now have thousands of weekly readers on Labour Outlook. But we want to keep reaching more people as our platform grows. This summer, we've been able to give a much needed outlet to frontline voices and trade unionists leading the fight back. But that is just the start. So please add your support to our alternative media platform and uh, on Patreon and help us grow and reach new audiences. You know, as a lot of you will know, we're countering narratives spun by the billionaire-owned billionaire press, but to do that takes a lot of resources, times, and it takes commitment. Um, so to become a, a, an Outlook patron, it's only £10 a month, and your support ensures that we can continue to promote these struggles that are so often ignored by the rest of the media. Patrons gain early access to Outlook interviews and, and some videos, but we do want to keep our platform free for everyone. So with your support, we can keep building up Outlook, keep amplifying those voices and help bring about the change that we also desperately need. So please go to patreon.com slash labor outlook and find out a bit more there. If you can't afford to become a patron right now, that's OK, too. Those who can afford it are covering the costs of those who can't. 
and ensuring that all our cont content continues to be free. But there are, there are other ways to support us too. So I'd like to just list a few of them for you now. The first is, of course, to read Labour Outlook. Um, we post articles daily and host exclusive interviews from leading left figures and frontline campaigners uh, on, a, on a whole range of topics. So, you know, just check out the, the, the site every day and you'll find more, more stuff for you. Um, talk about Labour Outlook. So I say this a lot, but in the, in the digital age, the, world of, the word of mouth does wonders. Uh, and it was, it was really great and really inspiring last, at last year's Labour Party conference to have so many of you come up to, to myself and others and just tell us that you, that you read Labour Outlook daily. And, you know, that inspires us to go on and do more. Um, and of course, please share and follow Labour Outlook online, whether it's through Twitter, Facebook or WhatsApp. You are really helping us like, get those critical messages out. Um, and it's a real organic way for people to find out more about all these struggles. So, uh, you know, our reach has, 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 um, has really grown since we first launched and, and this is just the beginning. Uh, and I'd also like to just finish by saying if, if any of our current patrons are watching, thank you so much. Your support has made a huge difference. You've helped us get us where we are right now. Um, and, you know, we're going to keep, keep pushing on and keep, keep, uh, keep publishing Labour Outlook, keep getting all these stories out. Um, and so thank you for signing with us. So thank you, Gemma. Thanks for, for thanks everyone else for listening. Um, enjoy the rest of the discussion. And I hope you've enjoyed Arise Festival as much as I have. Thanks, Patrick. And it's amazing to see Labour Outlook grow so much um, and, and build such an amazing sort of network of different voices from across the movement. It's brilliant. So our next speaker is uh, the president of the, um, sorry, the general secretary of the Bakers uh, Union, um, who's been, uh, they've been at the forefront of many different strikes over the last few years and many different actions, including the strike. Uh, it's really brilliant to have her on today. So welcome, Sarah Woolley. Thanks, Gemma. And thank you for the invitation to join you tonight on the, the closing session of this year's Arise Festival. It's both a pleasure and an absolute privilege to be here alongside some amazing speakers and activists. First of all, um, solidarity on behalf of myself personally and, and the wider Bakers Food and Allied Workers Union to all the RMT, TSSA, ASLEF and CWU members that are taking action this week. You are absolutely inspirational. Millions of working people are being empowered by the action that you are taking and starting to believe that they too can stand together to demand better and actually achieve it. Workers who would not have dared to believe they could change the crap terms and conditions and pay they've suffered for years are now looking to you and thinking, well, maybe we can. And that, that to me is just so inspirational. I've been in the car for the last couple of hours driving, so I've missed the kind of latest blow from the Labour Party, but it seems at the minute that they're moving further and further away from their roots, something that our members recognised and acted upon last year. We cannot rely on the Labour Party leadership to fight for the changes we need for our members and our communities because they keep letting us down and they've done so over and over again. Of course, there are some exceptional MPs that we as a union and the, the wider left will continue to work with, and, and John is certainly one of them, And because they stand shoulder to shoulder with us. They support our campaigns, they support our members. But unfortunately, the leadership seems determined to work with businesses and not the working class through they are supposed to represent. 
So we've got to understand, and everybody that's watching this and that comes across it that may not be in our movement, that the only way that working people can enact change is to organise their workplaces and communities, stand in solidarity with each other and lift each other up not pulling each other apart through division and wanting to know why they've got a higher percentage wage rise than them or, you know, or because they look different and sound different. We've got to stop doing that because that's driven by the Tories and the right-wing media in an attempt to weaken us. The only way to grow our movement is to talk to people about trade unions. There's far too many people still don't understand what we're about. We need to listen to the issues that people are facing and encourage them to engage in collective action around it. Because let's face it, it is very, very rare that an issue a worker is facing is singular to them. So if you're watching this, join a trade union, but don't just pay your subs and, and think everything's going to be OK. You've got to be active within it. We've got a growing crisis. Food workers bus drivers, teachers, even prison officers are using food banks. Food workers have been using them, we know, regularly since last year, and we know the numbers will increase further as, as the true impact of the energy price hike kicks in later this year, because whilst we're in summer, it's very much masked. Trade union membership may seem like more money to find when things are tight, but even when things have been incredibly tight in my lifetime, um, and there have been at times when my wages haven't lasted the month. My union membership has been the best monthly outgoing I have because of the collective power it has brought in my workplace to ensure that we've got a right to negotiate for better terms, conditions and pay and achieve them. There's never been a more important time to join a trade union. The Tory leadership fight, as that's what it's turning out to be, it's quite embarrassing really, will leave us with a Prime Minister who makes Thatcher and her attacks on working people look soft. There will be a distant memory. They will be more cruel, more determined to keep us in our place, more divisive than we've seen for decades, and millions more people in our workplaces and our communities will die at their hands. They've already declared outright war on us, because talking as they have about trade unions is talking about working people. Trade unions aren't me as a general secretary, they are my members and, and the wider movement. When they hit the ground running, or just hit the ground if it's trust, because she forgot the second part, they need to hit a brick wall of working people, standing shoulder to shoulder in solidarity with each other, fighting back, demanding and achieving better, telling them that we don't want them in power. We haven't chosen them to be in power. But the only way that we can do that is to organise across the movement in workplaces, in our communities, showing people that they can achieve better together and get rid of this individualisation that we've had for so long. If you do nothing else this week, join a union. Get a friend, a family member and a colleague to join one too. And get yourself to one of the many picket lines that will be about this week and support those workers taking action. Thank you Arise for putting this brilliant festival on this year and I'm sure I'll see you all on a picket line soon. Solidarity. Thanks so much, Sarah. Solidarity. And we saw every worker fighting for better jobs, better pay, and better conditions that every single one of us deserves. Our next speaker is currently a young Labour student rep. Uh, and I'm hoping that next time she comes to speak so eloquently at one of these brilliant Arise events, I'll be introducing her as the new chair of Young Labour. So very good luck with your election. Uh, welcome to Nabila Malana. Thank you, Sarah. 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 Thank you, Sar
Thank you so much, Gemma. Um, look forward to re-electing you to the NEC. Um, and thank you to Arise for putting together such a fantastic programme over the last few weeks. It's really great to be here with you all today. And um, as usual, I'm so honoured to be speaking alongside such an incredible lineup of speakers, especially following formidable unions like the NEU, FBU and Bakers. So through my time in the labour movement, I have had the privilege of seeing great organisers build resistance, whether this is resisting eviction, refusing to work under poor conditions, or fighting to unionise our workplace. And I came into organising through the student movement. And even though the Daily Mail loves to call us snowflakes to sit around all day, it was here that I first saw just how powerful we are when we come together. And students have lost many battles under Tory governments, but the ones we have won have changed the lives of thousands of students, students of the present and those who would come after us. When our universities threatened to cut departments, we organised and kept courses running. When students were plunged into debt with exorbitant course costs, we organised to have these costs removed. And when students were struggling to access mental health support on campus, we organised to get better investments in student services. And what I found inspiring about the student movement is that we knew we'd be graduating and moving on soon. So the things we were campaigning for probably wouldn't affect us. But we also knew that we had a duty to those who come after us. If we had the power to change something for the better, it was then incumbent on us to do that. And unsurprisingly, this sense of duty and care towards others is something I found in community and trade union organising as well. When I organised with the community union ACORN, I saw, again, incredible actions from comrades, you know, who had forced NatWest and TSB to drop their no DSS clause. They'd fought for and won landlord licensing in Bristol, Sheffield and Newcastle. And they'd got Bristol City Council to drop a four million council tax rise for the poorest. And of course, they won dozens of repairs, they stopped dozens of evictions, and they won back dozens of stolen deposits for ACORN members. And these members would show up for each other simply because they knew it was the right thing to do. And we know it's the same with the trade union movement. Strikes are a powerful tool. They offer us a glimpse almost into a world where conversations are centered around community. Bosses are reminded that it's workers who keep things sticking along, not them. And there's a genuine care for those around you. And I was at the RMT picket line this morning in Sheffield. And again, it reminded me that the beauty of our movement is that no one is ever alone. There were people there with flags from multiple different trade unions. There were students with their banners. And, you know, they were there no matter what the weather. They'd offer you cups of tea and homemade biscuits and the lots. And when we think of building resistance, I think sometimes we might think of big actions, posters, placards. We might think of huge numbers, snazzy pictures, or hundreds of retweets. And there's nothing wrong with this type of action. You know, sharing our work and celebrating our wins sort of helps to keep the hope alive. But the reality of building resistance can be less glamorous. You know, it's talking to your neighbours, your friends, your co-workers, and it's explaining to them the power of the collective and convincing them to be part of some action. You know, it can look like phone banking, power mapping, or like ticking tasks off a spreadsheet. And um, what I've also learned through many, many years is that it's also admitting when you're wrong, learning from those who came before you, and imparting skills to those who come after you. 
As Young Labour Committee, we have spent the last year delivering organising schools across the country, bringing together lots of experience from across our movement. We heard from community resistance groups like Save Brick Lane and Save Latin Village, trade unionists, MPs, and most importantly, we heard from young people themselves. And, you know, as you expect, there was lots of debate and sometimes disagreements about what building this resistance should look like. But something that we all agreed on was that our work should be underpinned by hope. Because hope is a prerequisite for change. And ultimately, we're all fighting to change things from what they are so that we can build the world we want to live in. I'm really proud of the young Labour members who have persisted in organising, whether that's in their communities, workplaces or in the party, no matter the barriers we've faced. And whoever the next Tory Prime Minister is, whether it's Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak, I think they should be worried. Because the young members I know, as young as 14, have already joined the fight. And no matter how many times this government tries to cut the flowers, they can't keep spring from coming. So I look forward to seeing you at Arise events next year. And I look forward to seeing you on the picket lines and wherever else the left will meet. Thanks so much, Nabila, that was brilliant. Um, next, uh, from Arise, we've got uh, Matt Wilbrest is gonna just say a few words about the upcoming work of Arise um, as a festival. Matt? Thank you. Gemma, and thank you everyone for being on this call. Um, I can see over a thousand people with us live watching, which I can also see a very sunny, nice uh, balcony outside where I'm staying at the moment. So it's great that so many people have joined us. Um, I wanted to take a few minutes to reflect on what Arise has been up to and the festival on this closing occasion. But first of all, I wanted to um, thank the volunteers who some you see and some you don't, but help it all going. That's particularly three different bands, Patrick, Fraser, Logan, Amy, Sean and Sam. Um, I'm sorry I've missed anyone out, but they do all the messaging you see, the streaming, all these things all done by volunteers and it makes a massive difference. And a lot of people think we have some big staff operation or whatever, but I can tell you that when two volunteers had COVID, I went into meltdown earlier in the month. So that definitely isn't the case. Um, as Gemma has mentioned, this is the last event ever arrived this year. Hopefully, Matt will come back and say everything amazing that he was saying in um, in a few minutes. But I think we've lost him out of the meeting because I think he's got some Wi-Fi issues. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep pressing on and we're going to hear from another speaker and hopefully I'll be able to bring Matt back in. Um, but until then, I think our next speaker is, yes, uh, the amazing, um, you know, Unison's have seen a lot of changes in, in the recent sort of year or so. And one of those is a brilliant new president uh, in Andrea Egan, who is here to speak to us today. And it's lovely to have you here. And I'm really, really excited to hear you speak. Um, so welcome, Andrea. Thanks, Gemma. Um, thank you to Arise and the volunteers for organizing this event. It is really great to see so many on this meeting this evening. And Abila, you're such an inspiration and good luck in your election. Um, I am the elected president of Unison. We're a public sector union that covers a wide range of sectors, local government, health, police and justice, higher and further education, water, energy, transport, the environment, 
and the community and voluntary sector with around 1.3 million members, but over which 75% are women and many low-paid women. Our services have been fighting year on year, the austerity programme, for over a decade against service cuts, pay decline, and the battle against outsourcing of our services to companies who want to create two-tier workforces. It's been a real race to the bottom in terms of paying conditions and uh, uh, terms and conditions. Many of our members just getting battle weary over the years. And, you know, the country clapped. Our public sector key workers who put their lives on the line to keep the country going during the pandemic. Uh, but now the government are slapping local government workers with pay cuts, not pay offers. Public service workers are facing a real 27% impact on our salary spending power. We've had, as I said, over a decade of austerity policies, low wage rises and cuts to social security, and they've left many people in poverty. And while the richest households have saved money during COVID, the poorest fell further, fell further into debt. We know cushions to cope with rising prices now. And it's the working class and ordinary working members who are feeling the pressure uh, the most. And women, particularly working class women, black women and disabled women, are likely to bear the brunt of this crisis. The 3.1% increase in benefits in April was less than a third needed to keep in line with inflation. And it hits women harder as they're more likely to rely on social security for a larger part of their incomes. The poorest households are the hardest hit by rising food prices. 23% of the poorest tenth of households, their expenditures on food compared to the richest tenth who spend 10%. And women are more likely to be poorer than men and they're more likely to be the shock absorbers of poverty, managing household budgets in poor families, skipping meals and going without warm clothes to keep the families fed with the rent and bills. I said earlier, Unison's union of over 1.3 million members and most of them are low paid women. And, and as I said, we've experienced years of cuts to our service provisions with high volumes of this outsourcing from public ownership to private profiteers. And in our local branches, we've had disputes where we've organised our members and they have taken the difficult decision to take on the bosses. And we've seen many successes. We're currently in dispute at AXA, the exam board, and OCS, which is an outsourced health facility management service. And that's just to name a few. We've seen lots of our private care company members taking on the bosses with big wins. But our biggest membership of nearly a million workers is in the health and local government sector. And both are in pay bargaining territory. At the end of this week, we'll learn how the committees have decided to respond, but there's early indications we're going to go straight to ballot. And this is groundbreaking for our union, and it demonstrates the seriousness of a pay like we've never ex existed before, but never existed before. Each of those sections are covered by other trade unions, and we now almost act with these sectorial challenges. We've got to work together not just nationally, but at branch and regional level too. Collectively, we're facing the greatest challenge 
in public sector membership. Unions have spent years seeing each other as competitors, but to serve our members best, we need to see ourselves as a movement fighting together against this government. And this will be difficult as we all have our own structures and processes, but we need to share good practice, pool resources in organising, because when we win, everyone wins. Over the last couple of decades, the whole trade union movement have seen a steady, steady decline in membership, many seeing being in a trade union as an individual insurance policy. The trade union movement has to show its relevance with union membership in decline and working class people in dire struggle. We have to unite the working class through the collective, through the trade union movement. Sadly, the Labour Party are not in power. They're not going to be able to do that. And so we need more than ever trade unions working together. In public services, there's a number of unions with collective bargaining rights for the members. I can't say it strongly enough. We've got to work together to run our ballots together so that we can deliver effective action. This is a working class wage crisis. Our challenge is getting the public behind us. We often forget that we as workers are also the users of each other's services. So we have to be relevant and we have to give working class the working class voice. The trade unions now have a responsibility and the power to unite the working classes, both in workplaces and communities. And we have to offer young people a place to have their voices heard too. They don't need political education in schools or colleges. They're receiving and responding to that now. We saw young people in unprecedented numbers take to the street in protest over the death of George Floyd when the Black Lives Movement grew. Greta Thunberg leading on the climate emergency and now young people facing alongside us, but facing a longer cost of living crisis. Now let the trade union movement give them a home and a voice. We need to organize. And this government have long demonstrated that it does not care about working people. They only care about protecting the stocks and the shares and their own wealth. And it doesn't matter who wins the Tory leadership contest. The Tories have presided over more than a decade of decline. And whoever wins, whether it's Sunak or Trust, they've a plan to make no, they have no plan to make life better for working people and the families. And since Thatcher, the Tory government have done all they can to smash a worker's right to protect themselves through the trade union membership, imposing restrictions that trade unions can't take industrial action unless 50% of the affected workers vote to take action and 40% vote to then take that collective action. And now they're passing legislation to allow bosses to bring in agency staff to cover the those to cover the work of those on strike. I'm pleased that my union, Unison, will challenge the government in the courts. Our claim is the government is, is in breach of Article 11 of the European Convention on Human Rights, which protects the right to strike and international labour standards. But when the Labour Party's second MPs who stand on the picket line, we know the challenge in our movement is enormous. But we are the many and they are the few, to quote a phrase. So I'm going to end it on this. We are at a point of fight or flight. We need to be confident. Let's organise, let's be proud, 
let's not be afraid to ask the question, are you in a trade union? I've lived through the summer of discontent and I've heard a saying recently and I think it's one we should all be using. Let's have a summer of solidarity. Let's educate, agitate and organise. Solidarity and thank you, Chair. Thanks so much, Andrea. I like, I like the idea of a summer of solidarity. Um, I think we've got Matt back. So hopefully Matt can come in and finish what you were saying. Are you here, Matt? How is that? Can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. So yeah, that was quite scary because I didn't know if my internet cut off, if the whole event stopped. <laughs> so it didn't, it seemed to carry on seamlessly without me. So that's good. Um, I don't know how far I got, um, but I was just going to say how many people we brought together this year, over 30 organisations, groups in over 20 sessions, speakers from over 15 countries, um, over 100,000 Facebook views, tens of thousands of Twitter views, over 7,000 YouTubers, um, over 3,000 registrations and more. So I want to thank everyone again for that. Um, and what I wanted to go on to say was that we want to carry on these online events because we're getting good feedback of people from different bits of the country, people who are still shielding, people with mobility issues and so on want to carry on online events. But we do also want to go back out there as well. And that means in particular that we want to host like rallies of resistance, TUC Congress in Brighton, and the Labour Party conference in Liverpool. And unfortunately to do this needs a lot of money as anyone who's ever booked, especially at Labour Party conference will know. So we're looking specifically for 250 people if 20 pounds to enable us to take those two rallies and do a national rally in September, bringing these voices of resistance together, bringing the left together on positive messaging. So please do make those donations and anything left over will go into the pot for next year's physical festival where we hope to be back next summer, both online and physically. Um, the other thing to say is that our partner organisation, the Labour Assembly and Austerity, has a number of campaigning plans coming up. Um, but also today, in light of what's happened with Sam Perry, has this new petition to Keir Starmer about backing um, workers and struggle as a Labour leader. And over 250,000 people have signed Labour Assembly petitions in the last year and a half. So please do make this one a big one. Let's send a clear message of solidarity with Sam Perry and with the RMT and against not to join the picket line so sorry about the cutoff please donate 20 pounds if you can and i'll see you in brighton and liverpool in september if not before thank you also thank you matt and uh yeah i'm looking forward to hopefully we can have those amazing events in brighton and liverpool um so mark Swarker, who's a general secretary of pcs union so to join us tonight unfortunately he's had to send his apologies but uh he's in solidarity um uh, for our event today. So that brings us on to our final speaker. Um, I think, uh, so the campaign, the socialist campaign group of MPs have uh, been kind enough to support tonight's event, which is absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. I've been very busy today because I've seen so many of them out on picket lines supporting workers um, as some of the only members of parliament who've been out there supporting workers. Um, and one of those is very kindly join, joining us tonight. Uh, he needs very little introduction um, and he's always been a great supporter of Arise Festival and the work of Rise and Labour Outlook. So a very, very warm welcome to John McDonnell MP. Thanks, Gemma. Thanks a lot. And again, just say from me, thanks to all the volunteers. Um, all of you have organised the Arise Festival events over the last month. You must be absolutely knackered, aren't you? 
it's been every night virtually. And again, just Patrick, Matt, Gemma, and the Bens, Logan, Amy, or just everyone else, just thank you very much. I, it's been, actually, it's been really stimulating, the range of topics that you've dealt with, the experts you've brought together, but also, I think, more importantly, the range of people you've brought together just to engage in this activity. It's phenomenal. Anyway, thanks for all you've done. Look, can I just, I'll be very brief, but at the start, can I just send a message of solidarity to, to Sam Tarry. Um, this must be the, I can't, maybe others can advise me or put in the chat, I can't think of any other Labour MP uh, who's served on the front bench who, in our, the history of the Labour Party, that's been sacked for going on a picket line to support workers. I don't think it's ever happened before. I want to read you what Manuel Cortes, the General Secretary of TSSA, has put out, because I think it sums up a lot of people's feelings. Manuel's a friend of mine and has, has been, you know, solid in his support in terms of the Labour Party over the years. He's, he's, he's in some ways, uh, he's a loyal, he's one of the loyal of the loyalists, if you like, in terms of the Labour Party. And so this, this will take a lot to, for him to make this sort of statement. Let me read it to you. Manuel said this about Sam Terry. He said, he's one, Sam is one of us. He grew up in the trade union movement and trade unionism is in his blood. Today, Sam did the right thing and stood shoulder to shoulder with rail workers striking for fairness and safety at work. Whatever excuses the Labour Party makes about the reasons for Sam being sacked, the reality is that Sam has shown solidarity with his class and we applaud him for that. If Labour think they can win the next general election while pushing away 7 million trade union members, they are deluded. We expect attacks from the Tories. We don't expect attacks from our own party. As a Labour affiliated union, our union is ashamed of the actions of the Labour leadership and the anti-worker, anti-union message it is sending out. This is a bad day for our movement. If Keir Starmer doesn't understand the basic concept of solidarity on which our movement has been built, then he's not worthy of leading the party. As I said, Manuel is one of those people in some, you know, loyal of the loyal. So that's taken a lot to motivate him to make that, this, that statement and how strong it is. But I think it's the sort of anger that many of us feel. Today was a huge day for showing solidarity across our movement. And that's what many people did. And I was on <clears throat> picket lines at Euston and King's Cross where large numbers of people turned out and to support RMT and TSSA members are out today as well with Anti. And the atmosphere was one of serious, solidarity but also just confidence as well that this movement is rediscovering its soul it's actually coming together on a scale we've not seen before and i tell you this this is a historic moment this is living history we're going through at the moment and in a few years time in a number of years time people will look back and i tell you your children and grandchildren will be asking you what did you do when this resistance movement was being founded and this resistance was being waged? 
interesting. I was at a, at a meet. I spoke at a meeting the other night, and someone reminded me of the Asian women who came together at Grunwick and fought back way back. I was on those Grunwick picket lines. It was a historic moment then where we came together, and it was a tough dispute, a hard dispute. And no matter how tough it was, I, my constituency party in West London sent delegations. We went across every week. And I was working with the NUM. We had mass NUM demonstrations there as well. It was a tough dispute. But you know, you went because you knew you were doing the right thing, morally right, politically right, and actually economically right as well. So that's why the RMT dispute is so important. That's why people are turning up. I want to just go through very quickly so people completely understand what this is about. This is very much like the bankers crash. What happened when the banks crashed as a result of the casino economics, the gambling with our money, the way in which they were ripping people off, making fortunes, and then the bubble burst. The Tories came into power and they decided that it won't be the bankers who are rich in corporations or the banks who pay for it. It would be working class people. And we've had 12 years of austerity as a result. What's happening now is exactly the same. The Bank of England have made it clear that the inflationary pressures, in other words, the cost of living crisis, 80% of those pressures are external. They're as a result of the supply chains breaking down post-COVID and also the Ukraine war, 80%. So it's not, about, it's not about wages pushing up inflation. That's ridiculous. This is about external factors, but also profiteering within our own economy. So it's not about wages and their wage inflation spiral. It's a profits and profiteering inflation spiral that we've got. And so what this government has decided to do is to make sure that it'll be workers who pay for this crisis yet again, like they did for the banking crisis. How will they pay for it? By suppressing and cutting wages. And that's exactly what's happening at the moment. So instead of a government intervening as you naturally would during this situation and protecting people's incomes and preventing a recession, because that's what you do when you take demand out of the economy, you allow you start a recessionary cycle. Instead of doing that, they're letting inflation rip, forcing down wages. And again, it'll be working class people who pay for this crisis. The Tories can get away with it. And what's so historic about this is that the labor and trade union movement has actually said, no, we're not allowing this to happen and we're gonna resist. And the resistance, I've never seen this since, well, 40 years ago maybe longer. Just look at them. RMT, TSA, ASLEF, CW, NEU, PCS, Unison, UCU, you name it. Unite right the way across the country, FBU as well coming into the frame. If you look at the scale of resistance that's going on, we've not seen this for generations. And it's because people have had enough. They recognize that this is a class attack. So what are the Tories doing? They're not, you know, the Tories will be sitting down. There'll be meetings in number 10 with civil servants and others, security services, etc. And they'll be looking at this threat to their regime. And what will they be doing? They'll be looking at how can they mobilize to defeat us? And one way, the speakers have identified it. One way is that they'll introduce new legislation. They've already introduced the SCABS charter, so the agency workers. They're now looking at the minimal service guarantee, so in other words, how to break a strike and force a level of service that undermines the ability to withdraw people's labor. 
and then they'll use what they've already put on the statute book to ensure that they have the maximum use of the criminal law to tackle those people who march out onto the streets as well and demonstrate. So they're planning for this and they've been introducing legislation at a, a speed we've not seen before, again, for, for over a generation to enable them to wage this class warfare. But I think they've completely underestimated the resistance because alongside the trade union movement, the social movements are mobilizing as well. Nabila mentioned it, people campaigning against rent increases and, uh, and evictions, the ACORN, the renters union as well. Look at what's happening with regard to energy prices, the energy price strikers that are now mobilizing in large numbers. We're also seeing DPAC, disabled workers coming back onto the scene again, the women's movement mobilized. And of course, the Black Lives Matter movement showed us exactly as Andrea said, it shows you what young people coming out on the streets can do mobilizing again. All of that is taking place now. So alongside this mass trade union mobilization, we have the social movements coming as well. And they're all demanding change. They're resisting this government and they're demanding change. The issue for us, and every speaker has said this so eloquently tonight, the issue for us is how do we bring that together and how do we coordinate it, both in terms of actions, also in terms of a set of clear demands. My view now is that we need to be absolutely clear about what the alternative economic strategy is. It's inflation proofing, wages, benefits and pensions. It's making sure we control prices and that means rent controls, energy price controls and do what France is doing. If the energy companies won't control their prices, we take them into public ownership. And then in addition to that, I think now we've got to start looking at how we can control at least the basketball of basic foodstuff prices. Because if you look at what's happening at the moment, the way in which food prices are rocketing, it means people will be, I think we'll have real issues about hunger even more than we have at the moment as we go into this autumn. How do you pay for all that? Simple as that, you redistribute wealth and income. My view is we should follow what the Tories did in the 1950s. A Tory chancellor during the Korean War introduced an excess profits tax across the whole economy. So if anyone was seen to be profiteering, they would be taxed. And that money was then used to support working people. That's an extension, if you like, of the windfall tax on energy that even the Labour front benches advocated and Sunak has had to take up in a, in a fit and feeble form. But the reality is, how do you protect things that you then gain as a result of that? If you're inflation proofing wages, the only way you can protect that is trade union rights. So we've got to drive through alongside all of this as part of our programme, the restoration of trade union rights in this country, the adoption of ILO International Labour Organization conventions so we have the right to strike. And then finally on the economic programme, we've got to recognise we're faced with the cost of living crisis, but the existential threat of climate change is coming at us at a pace. And that's why we, uh, as part of our social movement, we've got to support those environmentalist campaigners as well. But it also means when do we demanding change as part of this resistance movement, we've got to be ahead of the game all the time. That means we've got to be saying, we need to now look at how we mobilize the whole of our economy to tackle climate change. And it does mean massive investment insulation of our homes and public buildings. It means making sure that we have the energy source of wind and wave and solar power on a scale we've never seen before, but is readily available to us if we get the plans implemented rapidly in the way that we'd planned before the last general election. 
So I think the potential there now is for historic change, mass mobilization of a, a huge movement that we've got behind us now, properly coordinated, clear ideas about how we want to transform society. But we, the point that Sarah and others have made, we have to do it for ourselves. We can't rely at the moment on the Labour Party, either to be elected or to bring about the change that we want. We've got to create a climate of opinion as a result of our movement in which is irresistible force, no matter who's in government. And that means the mobilization in this coming period. And I want to just mention one final point. It's the point that Nabila made very effectively. We can mobilize, we can make speeches, we can attend meetings, but the most important thing is that routine work that we have to do of mobilizing that talking to one another, making sure we're convincing people, making sure we're engaged in our communities to mobilize people all the time. I think people realize they have a responsibility on their shoulders now to do that. So this could be, despite how tough it is at the moment, I think this could be a huge breakthrough moment for all those progressive forces within our society that are now coming together. Can only be done, and every speaker has mentioned it, can only be done with through solidarity, and that's what we're learning, solidarity in action every day, solidarity. Thank you, John. And I'm sure the whole meeting, everybody um, everybody who's joined as a participant and all the speakers um, sent endless solidarity to um, all the Socialist Campaign Group and especially Sam Tarry for being, as you said, like sacked for standing with workers, which is utterly disgraceful. Um, so I want to say thank you so much to everybody who's attended, uh, the thousands of you attended the um, Arise Festival that, uh, over the last few days, and thank you to everyone for participating in tonight's inspirational, really motivating event. It's been a brilliant end to the festival. And I also want to say thanks to uh, Patrick and uh, Matt and the three Ben's and Sean and Amy and any others of the volunteers that I've missed who are all brilliant. Uh, for putting it together and everything that you do and our key message from today is that people on the march against the Tory attacks on health on rights on livelihoods in our communities and in workplaces across the country and we stand with everyone who is out there fighting against the Tory offensive and we're here to offer platforms and to take to keep taking the fight to the Tories and we'll be there on the picket lines with you and we demand as that petition launched today says that all Labour MPs have backed those in struggle too including Keir Starmer and where the Labour front bench won't take that fight to the Tories we collectively will and must do it anyway. Uh, moving forward, we must build resistance to the Tories and popularise socialist solutions to all the crises we face. So let's do it together. Thank you so much to everyone coming tonight, all our speakers and all our participants. It's been absolutely lovely having, lovely having you here. Solidarity, and I'm sure I'll see some, many of you on the picket line very soon.